back to Luke 4, and um, we are going to just read a few verses here, and it is part of our part of the message for tonight <clears throat> on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and um, this is under the broader spectrum of messages that we started quite a few months ago on issues of life for the Christian. One of the most important issues is that of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be reminded about him and what he does and, and all those things. And so uh, Luke chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 16 and read down through verse 21. Luke 4, verse 16, it says, And he, that of course is Jesus, <clears throat> came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it again, he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the word of God and for its history and its teaching, its prophecy, and all those things. And tonight, Lord, we're especially and interested in what, your, what the Word of God says regarding the Holy Spirit. And even tonight, especially Christ's teaching on the Holy Spirit. And so that help us by that same Spirit tonight to rightly divide the Word. And Father, we pray that the message would be a help. We do pray for the, in our lives, we pray for the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we thank Thee for all that thou hast done for us and has given to us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So tonight we're going to move into the New Testament. Not, it's probably not the last time we're going to go to Old Testament scripture regarding the Holy Spirit. But tonight, moving to the New Testament, and in doing so tonight, at least for tonight, um, I'll be focusing on Christ's teaching on the Holy Spirit, what he said. And we're not going to get, the, it's going to take more than one message um, there's a lot of what most of what he taught is in the book of John, but he starts here in Luke in the very, very early, the very beginnings of his ministry. And so most of the time, or tonight anyway, the message is going to be about what Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit as it related to himself, his relationship to the Holy Spirit. And so number one tonight, Christ was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Notice there in Luke chapter 4, he came into the synagogue, and of course on the Sabbath day, and we talked a little bit about that today, right? This morning, just a little about the Sabbath, and that it's, it means rest. It doesn't mean seventh, all right? And I didn't think to mention it this morning, but if God would have created the world and the universe in five days, well, then the Sabbath day would have been the sixth day. Uh, so seven, really, you know, that's how, how it plays out. By the way, I read an interesting article by Dr. Griffith not too long ago that the basis for a 365-day year is the Earth's rotation around the sun. 
scientifically proven, even though there's some wackos out there who are trying to say the earth is flat again and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, and a month has to do with the, the, the time the moon revol revolves around the earth, orbits the earth. And what's the scientific basis for seven-day week? There isn't one. The only basis for a seven-day week is the Bible. And it's interesting, every, no one denies the seven-day week, but really it's, it's scripture because God ordained it to be that way. Now, one day is when the moon goes around. Oh, did, I mix, did I say that wrong? No, one day is when is the moon going around the, the earth, right? Anyway, but the months are based also on the moon cycles and all that sort of thing. But as far as a week, the only place we find that is in the scripture, and it's always been the case, you know, first day, second day, third day, and so on. So he comes into the synagogue, as usually we dealt with that this morning, but then he found the scripture, and this scripture is a quote from Isaiah chapter 61. So a couple things that he said about this passage, the Lord Jesus said this, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So that's the presence of the Spirit of God in his life. Um, he hath anointed me. That's his power. The word anointed here means to be anointed with oil in the physical sense or by the Holy Spirit spiritually to assign a person to a certain task implying a giving of power by God to accomplish the task. And that's from the Dictionary of Strong's Concordance. Now again, the Old Testament is very helpful in, in, in understanding this because in the Old Testament days, sometimes both happened at the same time. Right? Okay, for example, Samuel anointed Saul. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon him and he was changed into a different man. God gave him another heart. Now, that's interesting because Saul didn't continue in that. Right? And there's warnings to us that we are to, you know, walk in the Spirit because just, just because the Holy Spirit lives in us, it's not going to have a, a much of an effect if we don't yield to the leading of the Spirit of God. But, uh, but what I really like out of the Old Testament is when Samuel anointed David to be the next king. And it says he anointed him with oil and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So there's a wonderful example of an anointing, right? Now, and in the New Testament, of course, when we were saved, the Spirit of God came to dwell within us, and there's an anointing. In fact, the Bible tells us, First John tells us that we have an anointing, right, from the Holy Spirit. Now, not with oil as such, but with the Spirit of God, because the oil in Scripture is a picture of the Holy Spirit. So... Then number three, notice this, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. To preach. That's his purpose. And so the Lord Jesus Christ was indwelt by the Holy Spirit in his humanity. He was God in the flesh, but he still, he still depended upon the Spirit of God. And we're going to see that in, in a moment in another scripture. But then I want you, so we have the presence, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the power he hath anointed me, the purpose to preach the gospel, and then there's a perspective down in verse 21. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled 
in your ears. And so Jesus is saying, and everybody in Israel, everybody in the synagogue that day, anywhere Jesus would have been that day in Israel, if it was the temple in Jerusalem, the synagogue, anywhere, Nazareth, Capernaum, wherever he may have been, if he would have read that scripture in that synagogue, they would have immediately recognized it as a messianic prophecy. And that, that, I mean, it was taught that way, and it was taught truthfully, because it is a scripture regarding the Messiah. So Jesus said, this day, this day, this very day, right here in this building, this scripture, this very scripture, is fulfilled, it is being brought to pass in your ears. So really two things about that is this, that he is, the Lord Jesus Christ is the one of whom Isaiah wrote. And the Lord was doing in their ears what Isaiah wrote about. They were hearing the exact fulfillment of the prophecy God gave to Isaiah. Now even though most of the people rejected that, there were those who got it. Twelve disciples and others. Right? So, John chapter 3, verse 34, regarding this, let us take a look at the testimony of John the Baptist in John 3, right? In John chapter 3. <clears throat> John chapter 3, this is, well, or John is, is uh, doing his ministry of preaching and baptizing and all, all those things. And it says there in John 3.34, this is John speaking, For he whom God hath sent, all right, he sent him to preach the gospel, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Not by measure means without measure or limit. So, Thus, Jesus was the highest revelation of God to man because he was, there was no measure, there was no limit to the Spirit of God in him and therefore the deity that was in him. Colossians 2.9 puts it this way, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in a body. This, among other verses, signifies to us that Jesus was the fullness of deity robed in humanity. And of course, he had to be veiled from sight. Is that deity, if he would have come to earth in all of his glory, no one would have been able to live in his presence. Remember, when Moses wanted to see the glory of God, God said to Moses, no man can see my face and live. Nobody can see the fullness of the glory of God. Well, let's take a look in Acts chapter 10, the testimony of Peter. As Peter goes to, to the home of Cornelius, and he gives a wonderful recap, if you will, of the ministry of the earthly ministry of Christ, who is now the crucified, risen, and ascended Lord. And so there in Acts chapter 10, Peter mentions some things in the Bible tells us first of all in Acts 10 and verse 38 that Jesus is, an, is empowered. Alright? Acts 10 verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good 
and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God was with him, enabling him, empowering him to do the work, and God was leading him. And oftentimes Jesus said, I, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. My doctrine is not mine, but him that sent me. I'm doing the work the Father gave me to do. And so uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, always in complete harmony and symphony with the Father and the Holy Spirit as he went through his earthly ministry. And we are witnesses, verse 39, of, of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And so they did not see Christ in a vision, but they saw him in reality, in a body, after, after he rose from the grave. And he was openly in Israel, and he limited his time the 40 days that he spent on earth after he rose to the grave, he spent that time with his disciples and with other believers, all right, further preparing them for to carry on the ministry after he had gone back to heaven. And so Christ was empowered, and then Christ is preached, verse 42 and 43, and he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. And so he's preaching the gospel, and then we see Christ is received in verse 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So everybody that Cornelius had gathered together, in fact, they came for that purpose. They came to hear the word of God. In fact, um, earlier in the chapter, um, let's go back, go back to verse 33. Here's what Cornelius says. When Peter arrives, after he, you know, after he tried to worship him, Peter said, don't do that. Verse 33, Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God, to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And so one of the, one of the things that we see in the book of Acts is that this group of people gathered at Cornelius' house, uh, they were not people who had never heard of God. They were people that were Cornelius' relatives, friends, neighbors that were already worshiping the true God. And all they needed to do was hear what was next. And that was the Lord Jesus. Same thing on the day of Pentecost. It says they were devout men from every nation under heaven. They were already worshiping the true God. They just needed to get the next step. They just needed to hear about Christ and then turn what they were believing concerning God, turning, turning it to um, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's why, you know, because obviously the Spirit of God was working already. He had drawn them together. Cornelius was praying, and God spoke to him in a vision and so on. And so God was, was working, and so their hearts were prepared. And when they heard the gospel, they believed. So notice it says that while Peter yet spake these words, as he was giving the message, and as he went and got to the part about believing and remission of sins, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, fell on all them 
which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed, so there were those there who were of the Jews, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, that is, languages, and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. And so here's the testimony of Peter concerning Jesus' anointing of the Spirit of God, and then the message given, and then many were saved. However many were in Cornelius' house. All right? So we have... Anyway, the day of Pentecost, you've got the believers in Israel, in Jerusalem saved. In Acts 8, you've got Samaritans. In verse 10, or chapter 10, you've got Gentiles. And so the, what's happening is what Jesus said. You shall be witness unto me after the Holy Ghost come upon you. Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, uttermost part of the earth. And so, and so it's been happening, been going on for almost 2,000 years. But it's through the Holy Spirit and his ministry. All right, let's go to the book of Mark, back in Mark chapter 3, and we're going to see, secondly tonight, that yes, Christ was um, anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was also accused by his enemies, right? Mark chapter 3. Mark 3 begins with the man with the withered hand. And that was in our main text today in Luke 6. But then, not only the man with the withered hand, but take a look at verse 10. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him as many as had plagues. And so, therefore, he got into a little ship, it says in verse 9, because the crowd was so thick and pressing on him. Verse 11, and unclean spirits, that is, demons, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. And he straightly charged them that they should not make him known, because he does not, Jesus Christ does not need nor want the testimony of demons, all right? That would, they would just, as they do, they would cause confusion, deception, and destruction. That's the goal of Satan and his demons. Well, interestingly enough, the demons knew who Jesus was, but the scribes didn't. All right, so we get down to verse 22, and the scribes, which came down from Jerusalem, come, obviously came down to check him out, said, He hath Beelzebub. And that's, that's one of the names for the, the prince of devils. It says, And by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. All right, so here's the accusation. Obviously, very clear. They're saying two things, that Jesus was demon-possessed and he was doing his work by the power of Satan. Right? Wow, <laughs> that just makes me cringe even reading that. And so these accusations, um, by the way, the word said, you see that word said in verse 22? I just thought, you know, I think I'm going to look that up because I bet that's not just talking about once. <laughs> sure enough, the word said there is in what is called in Greek the imperfect tense which means continued and repeated. So this wasn't just one time. They were saying it, is the idea. They were accusing him. They were spreading the word about this, this man, this Jesus. All right? So, through these, their accusations were 
this. Now, two things that Jesus himself said about these accusations. Number one, they're improbable. They're illogical. Verse 23, and he called them unto him. And he said, send unto them in parables. Host of them, the scribes. He says, come here, you guys. <laughs> How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And that's a sad thing right there. When you have a divided household where some are believers and some are not, there's all kinds of chaos. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but half an end. Now we know that the devil does have an end, and that end is the lake of fire, but he's not, Jesus doesn't talk about that. He's talking, he's saying if the devil works against himself, then he's, he's, his work is finished. No man, verse 27, here's what he, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house, obviously. Um, if you're going to try to go into somebody's house and there's a mighty man there, you've got to do something about him before you can take his stuff. And so, so Jesus is talking about the devil is a strong man, but there's a stronger man, and that's the Lord Jesus. And he is entering into the, to the realm of Satan, as it were, to do his work. And by, that, by the way, so are we. He's the God of this world. And we're, if we follow the Lord, we're going to intrude on Satan's territory. And yes, amen, we need to. But not only are they improbable, these accusations are unpardonable. Verse 28, Verily I say unto you, all sins shall be forgiven unto son, the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they shall blaspheme. But he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost hath never forgiveness but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now they're still living, but that's where they're going to go. They're going to be in eternity in the lake of fire. And here, and Mark, Mark adds a statement that Matthew and Luke do not, and he explains why. Because they said, or they were saying, he hath an unclean spirit. So the unpardonable sin in Jesus' day was attributing to Satan the works of Jesus. Right? I've had a couple people ask me over the years, or one I can think of one dear lady years ago that she was sure that she had committed the unpardonable sin. So I asked her, did you ever accuse Jesus of being demon-possessed? She said, well, no, of course not. Well, there you go. All right? That's a sin that was very much limited to the day when Christ was on the earth. It would be very difficult for somebody to commit that sin today unless they said the work of Christ is the work of the devil. All right, well, interesting. It Muslims refer to the United States as the great Satan and the works of Christ. So, hey, who knows where they are in all, in all that. So, since Christ is not here in body, this same exact sin is rare if it occurs at all. Okay. So, unbelief is the condemning sin, like it always has been. 
unbelief is the sin that sends people to hell. Don't ever forget that. A person doesn't go to hell because they murdered somebody. Um, they don't go to hell because they molested a child. They don't, they don't go, you know, they go to hell because they haven't trusted in Christ. Now those other things will add to their depth of punishment in the, in the lake of fire. But Jesus said this in John 3.18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. Right? And we know that. But it's unbelief is the sin that sends people to hell. In fact, just keeps them on the way. We're, you know, in reality, we are born on the way to hell, on the road to hell. That's where we are. You know, in Colossians, it says how that Christ translated us. All right? Delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom his dear son. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible word conversion means to turn around. And so what's, what happened? what's a converted person? Well, somebody that was on the road to hell, they heard about Jesus Christ, they repented their sin, believed in him, they turned around and they're heading in the other direction. They're on their way to heaven. Praise the Lord for that. Now, third, the last thing, John chapter 7. We kind of touched on this a little bit last Sunday night, but number three, Christ is the source of spiritual life. Yes, Christ is that the source of spiritual life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He gives eternal life, and yet that is through the Spirit of God. It's through the Holy Spirit that this is done. Now, I'm thinking of one particular aspect here in John 7 that Christ himself talked about. John 7, in verse 37. And it says this, on in, that, in the last day, that great day of the feast, John 7, 37, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. So I'm looking at it, this verse of scripture, looking at it from the receiver's point of view, all right? And that's us, all right? So John 7, 37 talks about an inflow. Right? We come to Christ when we're, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Of course, that's talking about drinking in spiritual nourishment, starting with salvation and all the other things that, that Christ has provided for us in the word of God. And so do that. That's the inflow. We need that. We need to partake of the spiritual food. And, and I really believe every day. I mean, we need, we need you know, um, I know it's all right to fast with, on food, but you shouldn't fast on the, uh, from the Bible. But anyway, we need that. We need that. And there's the Bible has a lot to say about that. And we've talked about that. Um, I believe it was last Sunday night, back in Psalms. He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with good things. So there's an inflow. And never, ever want to diminish that. We, we need that. That's, uh, God, that's God's will for us, that we grow in, in grace and so on. Desire the milk of the word and so on. But then there's also an outflow, which is just as important. Verse 38. He that believeth on me... As the scripture has said, out of his belly, that is, out of his inner man, shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive, 
for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. We know from our Bibles that the Holy Spirit came after Jesus went back to heaven. He, he came on the day of Pentecost and, and so forth. And so, but notice that there is an outflowing of what comes in, right? We as Christians, we are not supposed to be like the Dead Sea. We didn't, you know, the river flows, but really nothing flows out. It's stagnant. It's yeah, full of junk and everything. We're not supposed to do that. And let's take a look at Acts chapter 4 along the same line. The outflow. Acts chapter 4. Um, interesting way that the, the Peter and, the, and, and his, fo- his fellows there, how they answered the, uh, the Sanhedrin, the council, when they commanded them not to speak. And this is Acts 4. They're arrested. And um, verse 18, Acts chapter 4, verse 18. says, And they called them, that is the rulers of Israel, called in Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judging. In other words, you left, that's your judgment. You're the, you're the leader, so you make a judgment. Should we listen to you more or should we listen to God more? I think, and that's one of those rhetorical, you know, obviously. And this is what he says. Listen to this, verse 20. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Now we would add, in our day, we would say we cannot help but speak. That's, that's what's applied there. So basically Peter and John are saying we couldn't be quiet if we wanted to. And I would submit to you tonight that if it's in us, like God wants it to be in us, it's going to come out of us. It's going to flow out. And so we actually need to pray for and look for those opportunities to have an outflow. So we're, you know, um, we're not just to be like this cup. You know, know, that's that's not a great illustration, but, you know, we're supposed to be with the inlet and the outlet. You know, it's supposed to flow in and flow out. That's how God has ordained and chosen that his word is to be proclaimed. All right. One more verse, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and we don't have the time tonight. We will get to this. I really believe in, and uh, at at some point, because we're dealing with the person work of the Holy Spirit, um, it's needful for me to bring messages on the subject of spiritual gifts, right? Because it's in the Bible. and, And so Romans chapter 12, one of the main parts of the chapter, the, the content of Romans 12, there's a lot in there about spiritual gifts. So we're not going to get into that this evening, but I do want us to look at one verse, um, and that's verse 3. You know, obviously verse 3 comes after verse 1 and verse 2, and verse 1 is the exhortation to present our bodies a living sacrifice to the Lord, and verse 2 is, the, is to not be conformed to the world, but be transformed, and then verse 3 begins with 4. Here's why. 
here's why we need to do Romans chapter 12, verse 1, and here's why we need to do Romans 12, verse 2. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. And then we, and that talks about some of the examples of that, teaching and exhorting and giving and mercy, all those things. So um, the idea here is that word measure, it's the same word that is used in John 3, where John the Baptist said, God hath not given him the spirit by measure. So Jesus Christ is limitless in, in the spirit. And that would be um, the realm of the Holy Spirit, or what, what God ordained Jesus Christ to do, the full aspect of everything spiritual, all right? Full ministry. Now he says that we as believers, God has dealt to every man the measure, and that's the idea of, of a, a limit or, a, or what is a portion. God has given everybody a certain proportion of faith. Now, and in this passage, it's not talking about uh, saving faith as it is living faith and serving faith. Right? And so he talks about the different aspects of how God enables certain people to do certain things. But the point is this, whatever has been given to us, enablements, abilities to serve, to serve the Lord, it is given us to live for him and serve him. And this ability comes through the Holy Spirit and must be used to serve the Lord. All right? And so it talks, it talks about that. All right? In, in Romans chapter 12. And so, um, so what the Holy Spirit, as he dwells in us and what he's given us, is to be used to serve him. All right? That's, that's what it's all about. That's what our life on earth is all about. Serving God and being his vessels. And Romans chapter 6 describes it as instruments of righteousness, instruments in the hand of God. And so that's one of the things that is very clear in Scripture. The working of the Holy Spirit in us is to produce servants for the Lord. And so let's keep that in mind and, and really seriously uh, pray, if you're not already. When you begin each day, pray for God to give you opportunities to serve him and open doors and all those kinds of things, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time in thy word. Father, it's just a, it's, it continues to just be so amazing to me that you choose to use vessels like us. And as the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and out of us. But Lord, use us. Make us usable. May we store, as it were, spiritual truth. May we hide the word of God in our hearts and that it would, that it would enable us and guide us. And, and Lord, that it would fill us with treasure that we can then pass along to those around us. Oh God, help us to have an impact and have an influence in, on those around us. Thanks so much for our Savior. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his great ministry. Help us as we continue through these scriptures that we might learn more about him and, Father, be able to serve thee and, and serve Christ in the power of the Spirit of God. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's take our hymn books and... Ah,
376. 376, and let's stand please. 376, take time to be holy. And you know, I, and what the hymn writer is capturing here is the idea, the aspect of being holy that means consecrated to the Lord. And so there's some really, really great, great spiritual advice in this hymn. So let's sing all four verses of Take Time to Be Holy. Take time. Of course, that's the emphasis. Take time. All right. In all our schedules, we need to take time. Make time for what is most important. Anyway. All right. All four verses. Let by his spirit 
Father, for the, for the blessings of today and, and even for this great, great hymn that we have sung. God, just help us not to forget, impress upon us that we are thine. We belong to thee and we are to be your instruments, your servants. And so help us, O oh Lord, to ever draw nearer to thee and then, Lord, that you would thrust us out into the work, into the fields. And help us, O oh Lord, we pray. Watch over us tonight. Please clear the way for those as they, as they drive home. And be, as we begin a new week, Lord, may we be found faithful. And we pray that watch over us and help us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.